Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Politicana. Today is August 16th. My name is Tyler. Of course, as always, you have Pratik and Nick here. We have a bunch of exciting stories for you guys today, but please first, please follow, please share the podcast. We really appreciate it as things start to heat up in this presidential race. So to begin, of course, the number one topic that's been talked about this past week, we got to be talking about Trump. So Nick, what's been going on with Trump? So we have another indictment in the books. Donald Trump and several allies, including Rudy Giuliani, were indicted in Georgia on Monday. They were accused of scheming to illegally overturn the 2020 election, and it's the fourth fourth criminal case to be brought against the former president and his second to allege that he tried to subvert the results of the vote. Now, text messages reveal that Trump's attorneys and operatives tried to access voting systems in Georgia before January 6, 2021, And, you know, the big question on everyone's minds is, is this finally going to do something or just like all the other indictments, you know, do we just simply not care? Pratik, you're going to be voting Republican. What do you think about this? So I think that every time there's a new indictment, as I said, it helps Trump go up in the polls. So it's in his benefit that the Democrats keep trying to find ways to indict him. Not the Democrats, the court system, but still. I think the benefit is, is that Donald Trump's main claim to fame is always the fact that he captures and captivates the media. As soon as any news story hits the books, as soon as anything happens to Donald Trump, he becomes the main focus of every single news station in the country. I think that's always in his benefit because Donald Trump has one thing that none of the other people that are running really have is that for the that are actually matter, I should say, is that he's out of office. I know like you can say, well, like, you know, with Joe Biden, if there's any negative story, it will impact him in the polls. If, if, if anything happens with, um, what is his name, Ron DeSantis, that could potentially impact his numbers. I mean, he recently has gone from 25% all the way down to 13%. So like overall, things do change when things happen, whenever certain people that are in office say something. With Donald Trump, he's not in office. And that that's his biggest claim to fame. I was one of the biggest things that helped him probably in the time whenever he ran in 2015, 2016 as well is because he wasn't in office so he can make any claims and he can make any statements that he wants. And I think the benefit right now with Trump is that like all these other people are just kind of like they don't have any opinions, thoughts or any views of their own. So all they can really do is criticize Trump. When they criticize Trump, for the most part, it hasn't really helped their campaigns. I mean, sure, it puts them in the news and it helps them at least make it to 2 3%, the people that do comment. And the other people that don't really don't even make it there. But overall, like, it's one of those that Donald Trump benefits from all these indictments. He benefits from all this news coverage going on about him. And whether or not Donald Trump is guilty or innocent, legally it may make a difference. But from a political standpoint, it's in his benefit because he's in the news. And the only way anybody can beat Donald Trump is if Donald Trump quits being in the news. So if there is no news stories that happen about Donald Trump, if there's no gossip going on about Donald Trump, if there's nothing no nothing going on about some new indictment or some former investigation because they're always investigating him since he literally ran for president in 2015, like unless until something happens where they just quit talking about Trump, that's the only way Donald Trump won't be the candidate. So I think in his in his benefit that all these things keep happening. Donald Trump realizes that. One thing is is that there's been some polls that have happened where it's shown that if Donald Trump goes to jail, then that will be the nail biter that might potentially lead other people to not vote for Donald Trump. But until that point, 
Like Donald Trump need if Donald Trump gets more indicted and Donald Trump has a new scandal come out every day, send his benefit, most likely Donald Trump will be the candidate. And based on general polling trends, Donald Trump was like around 30% in June. Right now he's tied at 44% for the most part with Biden. And even if Biden has edged him in more polls than not, it's like by, by a point or so, if anything. So at this point, Donald Trump has had a lot of momentum. Biden has had a downward, like, you know, fall in, the recent, in terms of recent polling. So it's in the Donald Trump's benefit that this stuff keeps going on. And maybe this stuff may even help him win in the general. Who knows? So that's what I have to say. Nick and Tyler, what are your thoughts? Well, the, the first thing I have to say is we didn't point it out in the, the description or the summary, but Rudy Giuliani was put under RICO. Like he was, he was indicted under RICO, the indictment that he kind of propagated when he was mayor of New York City to take out the, uh, the big crime organizations, the mafia. So that's just kind of ironic. But going back to Trump, we've, we've talked about this a million times, but Pratik, you're absolutely right. He's in the news. If nothing comes of these indictments, Trump only stands to benefit from that. But what kind of gets me is we're causing I, I've never seen this level of divisiveness in this country where you now have an ex-president who seemingly almost all at once gets all these indictments against him. And I don't know that um, there is a conspiracy behind all these where they're coordinating them. But at the same time, if I am a Republican, if I am a Trump supporter, it does seem like there is a coordinated attack to take out Trump. And that just buys into the narrative that Trump's been kind of crafting this whole time where it's like they're going after me. They're not going after me because I did something wrong, but because they know I'm starting a revolution and they're trying to prevent that. So because of all that, look, Trump with his fan base, is they're, they're going to be OK. He's going to be OK until there are charges put against him. And I think that might happen out of these four indictments. I mean, like, who knows? There, there, there's a good shot that he actually does get charged for something. And that could impact him in the future. And something we haven't really discussed, just to add something new to this conversation, because we talk about it almost every week. There's a new indictment every week. There are a lot of legal fees associated, associated with these. Those are four separate indictments. Like a lot of his campaign funds, I have to assume, are going to be used to pay off these indictments. And he has Trump, a lot of above money. all, gets well. Look, Trump, above all, he gets free press. Like that's one of the biggest advantages of Trump. Like these indictments themselves are almost giving him free press. But all those legal fees are gonna rat, are gonna start adding up, and we're gonna see how that that plays into the, especially the I would say the general election. Maybe not the primary season. Maybe he wins that that primary spot. But when the election rolls around and his war chest isn't as great as it could have been, that could be a big uh, factor playing into the general election. Yeah, I just a comment on that. I was gonna say he has pretty good fundraising records. I mean, this has been shown before where he used campaign funds to end up paying for his own personal lawsuits. And so, you know, if enough lawsuits stack up, like if this is a one-off thing, big deal. Like Pratik was saying, Trump has deep pockets, he can pay for it. If you add on suit after suit after suit and really just bog him down, and he has to show up to some of these things. So I think that ends up, like Tyler was saying, it's sort of a drag on the campaign. And furthermore, a, another thing that I'd like to sort of add to the conversation is that all of these people, um, there's a bunch of them. It's not just Rudy Giuliani. It's former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and a bunch of other people. I forget if it's like 18 or 19 in total, but all of the defendants in this case from the Georgia County DA that's charging them, she's charging them all collectively. 
So Willis said that the defendants would be permitted to voluntarily surrender by noon, August 25th. That's next week. She also said she plans to seek a trial date within six months and that she intends to try the defendants collectively. So again, collectively. Like, that's what's interesting to me. It's not Trump individually. It's sort of, oh, like you were saying with the Rudy Giuliani thing, like this is a this is a huge conspiracy. It's all of you working together, and you went after this. And you know, to be honest, I wish they kind of just stuck with the Georgia case. I think that was the most egregious example, as opposed to a lot of the others that are coming up. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just wanted to bring that in. That do you guys think that the collective nature of this matters at all? Because I think Trump is going to say it's him individually, and that's the only reason this matters. I think the collective nature of it actually benefits the Trump side more than anything else. Because now it looks like it's not just Trump. They're not just coming after Trump. They're coming after everybody that supports Trump, that's with Trump, that has aided Trump, that has been in Trump's cabinet. Everyone that matters to Trump, they're going after them. So it's more like, you know, the Trump narrative that they're coming after me, so they're going to come after you and all that stuff. Or like, they're coming after me time and time again. All of that stuff is perfectly playing into a platter. Like, you know the irony about it is, is like, if, if this was, like, you know, the theory is that oh, all Republicans will believe this. Like, regardless of all the stuff that actually happened, we don't really know exactly. But all the Republicans on a full consensus, and this is what hurt Ron DeSantis last week, is they all believe that some sketchy stuff did go on in this election. But the main thing about it is that all Republicans do believe doesn't matter if you're like on the end of like, I don't really know. I don't really want to support Trump. He's too old, all this stuff. In the end, they all believe that Trump has always been gone after. This is the thing that is a common consensus over every Republican. This is why Donald Trump, no matter how many candidates are in the race, all these people for the most part will eventually consolidate around Donald Trump. And the reason is, is that every time any of this stuff happens, people like, you know, like they're like Trump is being attacked. Whether or not we want to say that, you know, Trump is the cause of him being attacked or not, Trump has always been attacked. Trump has not had any positive news coverage ever. Like, Biden has a classic, like, I, ice cream story I don't like that this. comes hold out. Hold on. I just got to ex-nay that narrative that he never gets positive news coverage. He doesn't. He, he, he's the biggest victim of all time. Like, well, he he'll doesn't just get say, any positive they're attacking news me, they're attacking... Yeah, but, like... Every conservative network every is nice co- to Donald that's, Trump. That's my point. And that's half the country. Yeah, so I, I just don't see that. There's a lot of negative press. You can't say he doesn't get yeah, positive press. Fox, OAN, Breitbart, all of these, all of these channels, Ben Shapiro, like all these people who are conservatives critique are nice to him. But that's only conservatives. And what I would tell you (laughs) is that the mainstream media is not Democrat. But Pratik, we say mainstream media, but CNN, all these others, they're not even the same viewership as Fox News if you combine all the mainstream Democrat media. Forget CNN, forget MSNBC, forget Fox News, forget all cable news networks. Now, you revolve around those that, you know, that local news that comes on. You know, but it's all owned news. by conglomerates. There is no local news anymore. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is that that 30 minute news telecast, whether it's the ABC News, whether it's NBC News with Lester Holt, um, used to be ABC News with Diane Sawyer. They have the other guy now, David Muir, I think. And then CBS News, they have their their spot, too, at the same time. It's around 630 to 7. There is around millions and millions of viewers in this country that watch that 30 minute telecast every day. 
That is one of the most watched news. More than any cable news network, more than any website news that people go on. Now you have apps, so most people get their news from apps. But out of like you know, something in terms of people watch, and you have to remember the people that are watching local news at 6:30 to 7, you know, the news that goes on for 30 minutes, that's like, you know, international news that everybody's watching. That is what a majority of the people that are voting in this country are watching. Because the people that are voting in this country are not people that are your and my age. They're people that are in their mid-40s, mid-50s, mid-60s, or older. So, like, what I would argue is that... I like you said, the mid, your, mid-40s, mid mid-50s. Yeah. Everyone at the, the outer bounds of the 40s and 50s are excluded <laughs> That's what from I mean, the just 40s populace. <laughs> but my, my point is, overall, is that... Let me see some ID. You're 49? Get <laughs> yeah. out of here. You can't what vote. the hell is that? 49? In terms of that news coverage, they never have anything positive to say about Trump. And I think the benefit of that has actually benefited Trump. The fact that they don't have anything positive to say, obviously Trump's going to be like, they're attacking me because they have everything positive to say about all these other people they don't have anything to say good about trump and trump literally went from being a billionaire like you know celebrity talk show you know whatever that was the apprentice that stuff to him running for president and then and literally being a democrat up until up until that point running for president and then going becoming president leaving from president, running again from president, long segments of these like, you know, ideas where it's been a long period of time. In that whole period of time, Trump has not had any positive news coverage. So like my point is, is that it does fall into the category that Republicans, doesn't matter if you're a Trump Republican or you're like an anti-Trump Republican, you're still going to, uh, you know, acknowledge that Trump doesn't get positive news coverage. And the stuff Trump says about people coming to attack him is true. Now we can argue, has Trump done good stuff or has Trump done bad stuff and has the bad stuff he's done? Does it, you know, deserve an indictment or don't deserve that? That doesn't matter. The indictment stuff and all that stuff, that's another parallel storyline. But overall, like, that's how Trump's number is always going to be number one in the polls, regardless of anything else that happens. Let's focus on the indictment, though, because, Pratik, you were saying that your impression is that this story to you as a Republican voter is communicating. Or that it gives, or that it gives, just from your perspective, that it gives credence to the idea that, oh, you know, Trump has been saying for a while that they're not just coming after me, they're going to get to you. And that if they're charging everyone collectively that was on his team, that somehow they're coming after you, the Trump supporter uh, who's out there. And I had a very different takeaway. Um, and that was that, oh, I think Trump could just deflect it and say, see, it wasn't my fault. That, that's There's what all I these thought. people working for me. That's what I thought. They Wait, messed I don't, up. He won't and I'm that, fine. And I, I want to turn it over to Tyler here to see, like, for those two ideas for critique, because I think they're both very valid, because I think they both let Trump get away from the situation. And I think it's more of a question of, is he going to pick the first line that critique set? He'll probably do both, let's be real. But the first line critique set of, oh, they're coming after you and they're coming after my team and me and everyone. Or is it going to be more of, oh, he's going to throw them under the bus and just like totally dispose of them. And who cares about personal relationships? He doesn't care about that. It's just his, his saving his own skin. It depends of on what comes of the charges and how much of a focus during, during the actual trial that, that Trump specifically is. But no, Trump throws everyone, anyone and everyone under the bus at any given chance. If they're, if they're even going to help him in one iota. So yeah, I think he would 100% throw people under the bus. But like Pratik was saying, I think there is an element of 
look, if they come, they're coming after me, look, they're finally coming after my team. But I don't think that plays well to anyone beyond the hardcore MAGA base. Like, I don't think people that... Look, when we talk about the voters that change elections, it's not the hardcore voters. A lot of the time, it's the people that still don't know yet, those undecided voters. And you're not convincing anyone, I don't think, that there is some great conspiracy because, look, they're going after my team. Because what people, I think, will view the situation as, as is Trump directed his team to take these actions. And they're all they're all willing to bend over backwards for Trump. And because of that, you know, by his orders— they tried to inf- interfere with the election, and I think that's going to be what's what's going to be the common point of view outside of the hardcore, you know, MAGA Republican base. Personally. I disagree, because I think that you're you, we are looking at it in terms of that aspect where you're worrying about all these independents, but you also have to remember general not independents, and- just not committed okay. voters. But okay, but either way, from you look at it in terms of general voting now. Trump and Biden are basically tied. I mean, sure, Biden's up is 44.8% to 44.1%, but 44 is 44. The Biden-Trump comparison's only, it, it's only relevant now to say I'm better than DeSantis because I could beat Biden. I don't think it's relevant that much because I think when Biden actually starts campaigning, he will start to get a boost because at this point, he hasn't really said that much about the actual election. We're so far out. He's not part of those primaries, really. I don't think it, that matters that much. I think it does. Because now the problem is, is that when, because Trump is an incumbent and Biden is an incumbent, really, none of these other people really matter. Ain't like any of these other people, whether it's Ron DeSantis or Ramaswamy, none of them are going to somehow become presidential candidate for the GOP. Literally, unless Democrats Stranger somehow manage to happened. ban Trump. Trump. Trump had no chance. If you remember in 2016, Trump had zero chance. Everyone wrote him off immediately, and look what well, happened. Well, he was always up in the polls. He was always number one in the not, Republican Not from the beginning, though. That time. Early was. on, he was down. When It was until the debates that he actually started taking off, which yeah, is why debates, people yeah, are well. saying if other people don't have the chance to debate, that could significantly impact people's perception but of either these, way, these candidates. Either way, my argument would just be is that Biden and Trump's election is kind of like his own thing going on at the same time as all this primary stuff going on. Because if nobody's talking about any of these other people with Biden. When you think about Biden, you automatically think about Trump. When you think about Trump, you're automatically thinking about Biden. And I just think it's like that parallel because it's kind of like the inevitable. Everybody knows that it's going to be between those two people. Democrats don't have anybody else that has the ability to become president anyway. All their candidates are garbage. So like in that aspect... Like, yeah, it's like, it is Biden. He's the best, the brightest and everything that they got. So, you know, we had to worry about that. And I do think that with the other thing that y'all discussed earlier on, especially about advertising, I don't think it matters. I think Trump is a big enough name that he doesn't really need to do that much advertising. No, but it's it matters. Not, he's it not matters like everybody else. On election, look, look, when we're leading up to the general election, advertising is very important. I, 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 I don't, still think I it don't is. I don't personally think so because Trump is Trump. If Trump was Ron DeSantis, Trump, if Trump lost, was George Trump w. lost Bush, with all the publicity in the world in 2020. So yeah, what, yeah, what's, but that what's was, the difference? But he's not in office. That's the difference. Yeah, but, but I, wouldn't I think say that's, that's the biggest I don't benefit think that, that Trump has him. right now is that Trump is not president. So anything that happens, good or bad, or anything that's happening in our country, Trump has the ability to take it as a win. I think that's the benefit. 
then Biden had an all, you know, you know, in, in that same degree, especially whenever COVID happened and all that stuff in the last election. I think the same exact aspects do exist. If there is some kind of economic depression or if there is any type of economic problems that happen, or let's say there's some kind of war that happens, or let's say the Russia-Ukraine war is still going on whenever they're running for office and the, you know, their actual election is going on. In any of those aspects, Trump's the winner because Trump can always deflect. And I think Trump's biggest benefit, no matter what it is, is he's good at deflecting. And everyone in this whole world, not even America, everyone in this entire world of like however many trillions of people, everyone knows who Donald Trump is. And I think because everyone knows who Donald Trump is, it doesn't matter anymore. Because, like, he doesn't really need to do much advertising. What is Donald Trump advertising going to do? It's not like, he's not like, he's not like Ron DeSantis. Like, he doesn't have, like, a crappy slogan. Like, he's Donald Trump. You hate him or love him, but you know who he is. However much he advertises is not going to change your opinion on whether you're going to vote Tyler, for him Tyler, you not. go first, but I, actually, let me, let me say one thing, which is McDonald's advertises all the time. Why do they advertise? Everyone knows a McDonald's. It's because right after you watch the ad, you're far more likely to actually go to a McDonald's and get the food, get the drink, whatever. But he's a known quantity. That's what you're saying. You're saying everyone knows him and therefore, yeah. But Tyler, sorry, I interrupted. No, that's fine. Just because he's known doesn't mean advertising is not extreme. I think you're you're really underestimating how powerful advertising is. But but apart from that, I just want to say that if Biden just gets a few wins leading up to the general election, that's all it takes for him to flip the entire script. And that's the issue here, where it's like if you are in office, you still have some some control over your destiny. Look, Trump can pick apart whatever happened in the Biden administration, but Biden can say all these issues were caused by Trump. And with that, let's move on to our favorite person in the entire race out of anyone. We have Mike Pence, who still thinks he matters. That was a critique headline, just so everyone's clear. All right, to the story. We have Mike Pence steps into the limelight at the Iowa State Fair, embracing his role in opposing the president on January 6th. Despite single-digit polling standings, his growing donor backing and debate qualification highlights his historic ambitions. In the face of Trump's criticism, Pence envisions himself as a crucial witness in Trump's legal struggle, aiming to reshape perceptions after Iowa. With the slogan, quote, rediscover America's promise, end quote, Pence currently holds the fourth rank right behind Vivek Ramaswamy at 7% and finally secured his spot in the first GOP debate. So Pence, you know, we know Pratik hates him. I was going to say love him or hate him. Pratik hates him, guys. He just hates him. Um, but what are your thoughts on Mike Pence at this point? Let's start with Nick here. Rediscover America's promise. How about rediscover some humility and drop out? I think Mike Pence is just wasting time and he should move over. Like, make the point. Go after Trump if you're going to. If you're not going to, then just get out. It's like you need to do something. And maybe, again, I think the whole thing is just him saving face, him saving his own reputation, and maybe trying to mend some of what's going on in the Republican Party. Because honestly, like, the person, Chris Christie's going to go after Trump, but Mike Pence can attack him the best or support him the hardest. Where if Mike Pence is like, oh, who cares about January 6th? Who cares that all these people said hang Mike Pence and all the stuff with Mike Pence's family? Like, if he just ignores all of that and is like, oh, Trump did nothing wrong, he's fine, then that's a huge boost to Trump, I think. And so Pence, weirdly enough, I think does have some influence as long as he's still in the race and still has a platform. Because let's be real, if Mike Pence wasn't running, he would have like a random 60 Minutes interview to be like, 
what happened during the last election? Mike Pence, what do you think? And then he'll just try to sell more copies of his book. But without that, like, who cares about what he's saying unless he's actually got skin in the game, which is him running for president. So I I just think that overall for Mike Pence, he's in a weird spot and he really has to decide where he's going to go quickly. I think the deciding thing, frankly, is going to be not the first debate. I think it's going to be two debates in when Mike Pence actually makes a pivot. And then if anything happens with this Georgia stuff, I think he's going to try to stay above it. But then if something else happens, that's when he'll pounce. Mike Pence is never the first man. You know, think of this like D-Day. Is Mike Pence the first person off the boat? No. He's going to let someone else go first and get shot down. But he's going to come in close second and maybe scoop up, you know, some sort of salvaging of his reputation. But apart from that, I I don't think he's got much. Pratik? I think Mike Pence is a loser. The problem was with Mike Pence is that Mike Pence decided to be smarter than everybody else. This is Mike Pence's biggest problem. He decided to have integrity. Yeah. That's stupid in politics. But with Mike Pence, the biggest problem that Mike Pence has is that he's kind of like Mitt Romney. When you think of all the stuff about Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney being the face of the party in 20, I don't know, 2012, he was literally the one that ever, all the Republicans wanted. He was like why they didn't win in 2008 because they should have chosen him over McCain. That was the whole conversation going on. Problem with Mitt Romney is, is that Mitt Romney was too smart for himself. In being too smart for himself, when you're too insightful, you think too much, you're like, you know, trying to fight for the right things, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to benefit you politically. And that's basically what's killed Mitt Romney. If Mitt Romney wasn't like, Mitt Romney wouldn't be in politics if he didn't move to Utah and run for gov- run for senator because all the Mormons are voting for him. He wouldn't be in politics anymore because he became like a lost cause. I think Mike Pence is the same thing. Sure, we could talk about this election certification thing and all this stuff. In the end, it's like a ceremony thing it would have happened anyway but mike pence decided to become the martyr in that whole scenario he decided to make january 6th actually about him more than any of these other people i think the benefit of mike pence would have been that mike pence should have just been like a lame duck guy because that's what he was for the majority of all his entire vice presidency anyway so had he just ended on like a good note without anything actually happening? Because sure, the argument is, yeah, Trump threw Mike Pence under the bus. But if Mike Pence just didn't say anything, just didn't make it about himself, was just like, yeah, I don't want to ratify the elections. I think there's some sketchy stuff that happened. And he would have eventually just been forced to ratify it. Things would have been a different storyline for Mike Pence. I think Mike Pence just ruined his own political career on his own. Nobody else ruined his political career. It's not Trump's fault that nobody likes Mike I Pence. I think so. That that way, I thought that was I think exactly. That's the only reason. I I think that was the literally the only reason that people don't like Mike. I Pence. don't think so. Because no, because in the end, just go along just with it. Like he he should have just been a people. sycophant, guys. He just you been gotta a fall in, in line, game. so Trump doesn't bend you over. Like, how toxic is that? That the fact that people think like, like I don't. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what something, something is right, right or. Wrong, what do you mean? What I'm saying. What matters is it doesn't. Not in this. Let me let me finish. In, poli- in politics, dealing with, in terms of his own political career, Mike Pence still would have ended up being the second major, fa- second biggest face in the entire Trump presidency. 
So think about it this way. What did Joe Biden do in Obama's presidency? Nothing relevant, but he became president. I think the same situation scenario could have happened for Mike Pence. It's not like Joe Biden was an exciting guy. Mike Pence is an exciting guy. But in the end, if you are a Trump supporter and let's say Trump wins and, you know, is president this election and let's say Mike Pence didn't do anything in January 6th because the result would have still been the same. It's not like Joe Biden wouldn't have become president. So let's say Joe Biden became president. Mike Pence being irrelevant back then. Then let's say, you know, this election comes around. Mike Pence didn't run and it was just Trump and all these other random people. Then if four years later, eight years later, if Trump wins and, you know, does his thing or four years later because he can't run again. So four years later, if Trump does his thing, then Mike Pence could potentially be a candidate because he would have been his vice president throughout the entire scenario. But because Mike Pence decided to do something on January 6th, it killed his whole presidential career. It killed his whole political career. Mike Pence can't do anything. Mike Pence can't run for governor and win. Mike Pence can't go back in Senate. He won't win. Mike Pence can't join the House. He won't win. Mike Pence can't do anything political anymore because he kind of ruined his entire political aspirations by that one day. January 6th ruined Mike Pence. It didn't ruin anybody else. And I just think the reason is, is because Mike Pence decided to take it upon himself to become a martyr in January 6th. All Mike Pence had to do was literally be MIA like he was in every other scenario. All he had to say is, I have some questions about the election. Just be the same boring, bland Mike Pence as he's been throughout this election season because he's been saying the same stuff. All he had to do was say that on that day. I couldn't do any, I mean, I feel like the election has been kind of sketchy. There's been taking two weeks for them to call it. I have some question marks before I ratify the election. I know it's ceremonial, but I want to make sure that we're doing the right thing. All Mike Pence had to say, if Mike Pence had the most boring statement like that, Mike Pence could have been president in eight years. But Mike Pence decided to take it upon himself to make it all about him. And then all these other people were like, let's go hang Mike Pence. And January 6th actually became a terrorist attack all because of Mike Pence. So I just think that if all revolves around Mike Pence, Mike Pence kind of killed himself by trying to be too smart. And if Mike Pence was just to take a different approach back then, because now we can't change it, things already happened. But I do think that Mike Pence got ruined because of January 6th. It's sad actually, but I mean, it is the fact, like he could have changed that whole narrative. If January 6th didn't happen even, and let's say like, you know, none of that stuff happened and Trump just, you know, conceded and said he lost. Then Trump would have still ran for president four years later. And at that same time, Mike Pence would have probably been his vice president because it's not like people go around switching vice presidents every time they run. So I do think that that scenario would have been January, very different from Mike Pence. On January 4th, um, I think Trump put him in the position and I don't think he had a way out of it. Um, but I like... I do agree with the idea that January 6th killed Mike Pence's future political career. Absolutely agree. But I don't think that it was because he had this diva personality and needed to be number one. I think he was perfectly content to just sit in silence and do nothing. But leading up to January 6th and certifying the election, Trump caught on to the fringe legal theory that the vice president could, you know, just stop the show, don't certify the election, whatever, which procedurally, yeah, if he didn't sign it, then it, it would have held it up. But like Pratik was saying, like it still would have been ratified. And so, you know, at the but but at the same time, I think Trump yeah, put him in the spot where, week. again, it's it's an idea comes out on the Internet. It's very fringe, whatever. But then the 
you know, the the president's team picks it up and runs with it the same way they did during the primary process. And when they actually beat Hillary Clinton, that, that throughout his presidency, that's what they did was they took a lot of these online theories, shaped them and then made them in the real real world. But for example, this is from a PBS article from a little while ago. On Monday, January 4th, Eastman and Trump pressed Pence to go along with the scheme in an Oval Office meeting. And at a rally that night in Georgia, this is January 4th, two days before January 6th, Trump said his fate rested in the vice president's hands. Quote, I hope Mike Pence comes through for us. And quote, he told the crowd. So like he was kind of seeding to his supporters that Mike Pence, Mike Pence can change everything about this. It's all up to him. He can do it. And it just puts him in a spot, Pratik, where I don't think he can duck it. He needs to step up and do something. And to your point, either he could have accepted it and said, yeah, I don't I don't agree with how the election went. I'm not going to certify. And he would have had a political future within the Republican Party. But at the same time, he, I'm just saying he only had two options. There was no, like, ignore it and it'll go away. It's like it was primed days in advance that he needed to do something. And you're saying he chose wrong for his political career, and that's totally fine. But I'm just saying that, like, Trump put him in the position. Legally, whatever. Like, again, again, my point is always, legally, things may sure. be different. Again, legally, something is right or something is wrong. We can debate all the morals and semantics of all that stuff. But from a political context, just like what, as I said, I always give the example of Mitt Romney. Mitt sure. Romney could have had a very different political career but than the he does is, right now. For Mike Pence, that could have been Mike Pence. I think it's bad for him personally, but good for the country overall. Could you imagine if everything about the Trump president, like if Mike Pence came out and said, yeah, I think it's all rigged, I think it would have been worse for the country. Uh, I think it would have been like, oh, wow. like. But if it wasn't certified, not even Mike Pence himself, I think if he didn't certify and that news story came out, I think that would be bad because it's like, oh, my God, it's, something's here. What would happen is you would think of Mike Pence the same way you think of Rudy Giuliani. Literally, you'd just be like, oh, Mike Pence is another yeah, conspiracy theorist. Mike yeah. Pence was trying to, you know, he was with Trump the whole way. Yeah, but my point is, is that you as a non-Republican, or I mean, even me as a Republican, we don't have that many sure. strong feelings about Rudy Giuliani. Like, oh man, dude, Rudy well, Giuliani. Years ago, man, yeah. I hate that guy. Nobody Past cares that much. I think with Mike Pence, with Mike Pence, you would have had the same exact opinion about him. Like, if anything, Mike Pence was really relevant for most Republicans. Not, not any Republicans that were Trump supporters were all about Mike Pence. Nobody cares about Mike Pence. He's just that rubber stamp dude that they got over <laughs> Dude, there. I, I remember that being a thing where they were like, like oh, if Trump ever gets assassinated, it would be so bad like... because then you would have Mike Pence. <laughs> and Mike Pence would take us back to, like, the 16th century. But I know. anyway, I want to bring Tyler in on this. It's been a lot of you and me. Tyler, what are your thoughts on the Mike Pence situation? Yeah, yeah, so I don't think Mike Pence really ever had a hope to be president regardless of what happened here but like you were saying he was put in that position the problem i'm seeing is like basically if you're a hardcore republican maga guy you're just an idiot if you think pence could have done anything like that that's the problem here it's like you're basically saying all these republicans they're just fucking morons it doesn't actually matter how reality actually worked it's the fact that people believed he could have changed it therefore he's ex nay in the political perception realm, matters which in is politics. fine yeah. which is fine but you're basically he calling most to, of your party just, just complete morons no no no. but like specifically idiot, specifically man. republicans in this case you're all morons because pence couldn't have done anything and because he didn't come out and bend his ass backwards for trump and say do what you want with me then how <laughs> politically, politically of course. He, not not physically 
That would that would be wrong according to Mike Pence. Let's take a moment to relish how toxic that culture is and how idiotic it is for us to want a political system where we can just say you should have done this when they couldn't have done it and that person's dead in the water. I think we and it's just really sad. Here's the thing, Pence as a political figure is not what the modern day politics calls for. He's not a firebrand. He's not going to come out and overstep. He's a politician from 30 years ago that would have done well. I don't think there was ever a shot of him being president. Maybe he wouldn't be hated as much by the Republicans, but do you know how hated he would be on the other side of the aisle if he were to have said that, I'm not going to ratify this election because Trump told me not to. It, he, he, it was a toxic pill either way. It would have been was better. given two cyanide pills. And we could talk about better or worse. He was, he was, dead, he was dead from the get-go. All because of Trump. Because what Trump does is he'll just pin the blame. The reason Trump did this whole thing was to say it wasn't actually me that lost the election, guys. It, it was it was the fact that no one around me handled it well. Pence didn't handle it well. He could have he could have fixed this because it was such a rigged election. See, but see, as I said, with Republicans, and this is a bunch of stuff, right? When it comes with Democrats, Democrats are always gonna hate Republicans, and Republicans are always gonna hate Democrats. This is a fact of life. In, in all politics, you will have people like me and Nick, and you'll have people that have opinions. We'll have people... I don't hate anyone except for Marjorie Taylor Greene. Like, I have opinions that I support. No, 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 but let me, let me give you some examples. Like, I agree with a lot of things Democrats fight for. I'm sure Nick agrees with a lot of things that Republicans fight for. But we're still Republican. I'm still Republican, and Nick's still Democrat. But I do think one major thing is always when it deals with this kind of stuff is that if Mike Pence literally just said, because every Republican believes this, I've even believed this, the last election had a lot of sketchy elements, dude. How many elections go on for two weeks before they get called? But but Trump Trump preempted the entire election for two months before the election saying it was going to be rigged. So it was a win-win. He's, he set himself up Whatever. so he couldn't lose. And it, I mean, they would argue that it was. Dude, that's like saying that they're not after Trump. They've never been after Trump, but there was always a new indictment going on. They literally went after Trump when Trump was not even in office. Like January 6th committee was going on literally since the day Trump left. Like literally, Both of those are true, same thing. to be like, fair. Trump did see that the election was going to be stolen way in advance. Everyone saw it coming. It was, was covered the to hell. And then at the same time, yeah, Democrats clearly have gone after Trump in ways that they haven't gone after other Republican candidates. That's how, because he pisses everyone off. But yeah, like both yeah. of those are true. Yeah. And that's the olive tree. And, and that's the olive tree. I, I would argue what Nick said is 100% correct. And Nick would argue that what I'm saying is has some elements of factuality is just that, you know, there is some challenges here. And I do think that with Mike Pence, literally all he had to say, he didn't even have to be like, he's not going to ratify. He's gonna not going to ratify, take even a stronger approach. All he had to say is that there are some sketchy elements that happened in this election. Tyler, you know that scene in Wolf of Wall Street when Leonardo DiCaprio is like, I'm not leaving. And everyone applauds and cheers. That's all Mike Pence had to do for his political career. <laughs> exactly. And I think I'm that's glad all he had I'm principles, saying. Though. And like my thing about Mike Pence is I don't really hate the guy. I don't really care. But and it's good that he has principles. It's good he has opinions. But if he just <laughs> modified those opinions in a particular way to fit that narrative that I just said, Mike Pence could have been relevant now. Mike Pence would have been Trump's vice president. Mike Pence would have been the silver spoon I don't think Trump, candidate. I don't think Donald Pence Trump even likes him. He wouldn't be. He wouldn't be VP Party. because he lost the election with him, so he wouldn't have picked him again. 
he would have. No, he, he would, would not have. have. Could you imagine? Trump's like, I would have won, but it was Mike what? Pence. I, Hold on. He was Mike what, Pence. Use, what use does Pence have to Trump after Trump put the Supreme Court justices in to mm. appease those conservatives, the social conservatives? Pence has nothing to give Trump True. in this next election. Because. Election. Nothing. He <clears throat> doesn't offer anything. But did Trump attack Mike Pence in four years whenever he was in office? No. I would argue that is not he wasn't like if literally Trump wanted to go out right now and just make like this big charade against Mike Pence, he could do it. Mike Pence wouldn't even have seven percent. Mike Pence would be at one percent right now if my all Trump Trump was doing was attacking Mike Pence. It's not in his benefit. But it's also not in his benefit to go up against Mike Pence because you also want somebody that's a loyal rubber stamp, like blind, you know, blindfolded candidate that's with you as vice president. That's literally what the vice president does. They're not supposed to have any opinions or brains of their own. They're just supposed to be the guy that's on the second side. Unless you're Dick Cheney, of course, because in that situation, maybe Bush wasn't as smart as Dick Cheney, so they needed to have somebody that's a little bit more intelligent on the other end. But with Donald Trump, Donald Trump needs somebody that is a Donald Trump needed someone to check certain boxes, and that is what he did. Mike Pence, as a VP, look, he actually, I think, did some decent work on COVID. Like, if you'd watched, watched those press conferences, he was one of the only people that was, like, reasonable during this whole thing. Yeah. But... I guess the point is, in my opinion, no matter what happens, because Trump lost, Pence was done with Trump. Pence had no use. He was in the trash bin, no matter what happened. Trump, it was just, it was so Trump easy is to very utilitarian him. in that we'll sense. Just, it's like we'll the second you stop being there. positive yeah. to him, he's just going to throw you away. It's what happened well, it's with Scaramucci positive. with all yeah. these other people. Like he'll take a relationship and just toss it in the dumpster the second it stops being advantageous for him politically. Yeah. I think, but I think that's how it is for all politicians, though. If anybody's a president, they all do that. How many chief of, uh, okay, I'll give you a, I'll give you an example. Obama had four chief of staffs. Trump had three chief of staffs. Before, and I don't know how many, I think Biden's actually only had one chief of staff. He's actually one of the few people that has had the same chief of staff the whole time. But a lot of these other people, they switch and change everybody. Bush had two secretary of states. Trump had two secretary of states. He had Rex Tillerson and then Mike Pompeo. But Trump has the more volume is, than everyone else. They all do that. They all want to like make Like the examples sure you gave were similar, that but that's yeah, true. Yeah, and also and he does a it in a meaner way, than everybody I guess. Else. Yeah. But see, I think he does it in a more robust way. But, but not all to these the other volume. people did the same stuff is what I'm saying. Hindu in chief or the future MAGA VP. So Vivek Ramaswamy is weaving Hindu and Bhagavad Gita teachings into his campaign. His uniqueness shines as potentially the youngest, first vegetarian, non-Christian Indian president, infusing his candidacy with out-of-the-box policies. In contrast to DeSantis, who slipped from 20% to 13%, Ramaswamy stirred from an actual 0% to 9%, propelled by his non-conventional ideas. His vision encompasses a civics test for 18 to 24-year-old voters, voting age adjustments, anti-drug cartel military actions at the southern border, scrapping the Department of Education entirely, and investigating U.S. aid tied to Hunter Biden Ukrainian connections. Ramaswamy also had a very unique policy in foreign policy, which mirrors isolationism to a higher level than any presidential candidate in a long time. With Taiwan, he pledged to only defend them against China until America becomes self-reliant on building their own semiconductors. 
He said, we will support freezing the current lines of control, reopening economic relations with Russia, and a hard commitment that NATO will not admit Ukraine in return for Russia exiting its military partnership with China, removing nuclear weapons from Kaliningrad, and ending its military presence in the Western Hemisphere. Amidst conservative dominance in the GOP, Ramaswamy currently holds the third position in polls, after Trump and DeSantis, reflecting the evolving political landscape. He's even gaining attention as a potential VP pick for Donald Trump, outshining other GOP contenders. However, he declined, saying, I'm not one for second place, just as he wouldn't be for mine. The question lingers with his unconventional idea. Will his unconventional ideas prevail against traditional candidates like Pence, DeSantis, and Haley, embodying an outdated yeah, political so era? One quick anecdote about Vivek. So I was listening to a podcast of someone named Patrick Bet David. He's like a He's like an entrepreneur guy. He recently sold his country uh, company for like nine over hundred million dollars. Does quite well, um, but he's been blowing up in the podcast space recently. And he talked about being able to reach out to different uh, campaigns and whatnot, and being able to like actually speak with these candidates, get them on the show, that whole thing. He said, when you reach out to Vivek within like a day, someone's back out to you. They're scheduling a time to speak. If you reach out to DeSantis, it's like a ghost town. No one's getting back to you. No one's saying anything. And we're in an era nowadays where if you're not constantly going out doing these it's not just being on cable news anymore it's not it, that's just not how the world works you need to be going out there um uh, to to these maybe even smaller social media channels podcasts maybe showing up on joe rogan or whatever that's how you get your name out there with the general populace that otherwise might not at least at this early uh, stage of the election cycle might not be as interested and you're gonna get front of mind with them and that's something i think vivek has done so well I think the reason he's been able to go up in the polls thus far is because of his social media strategy, his willingness to engage and, in some regards, have some ideas that are uncommon. Um, like, for instance, I wouldn't agree with the, the Taiwan semiconductor thing. I, we should, I think we should defend them for the democracy aspect. But at the same time, that's a unique view. He's starting a conversation about that. And now it's centered around him because no one else is talking about that. So he's doing many different things that I like. But... What I will say is, and you mentioned it before, and I had mentioned it last show, is like he sort of conceded himself to be the VP of Trump because he's not willing to go after Trump right now. And that is a sign to me that he is hedging his bet. And he's saying, oh, I, 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 second place is not for me. That's fine. The dude's 37 years old, though. He has plenty of time to become president one day. I think he knows where, where his bet is made. I think he knows that Trump is his best shot. But at the same time, if something's to happen to Trump, like... If he's going down in this court situations, I wouldn't want to position myself like that. I would want to have said something about Trump beforehand. So I think his not unwillingness to do that might be hurt him in the long run. But overall, he's done a lot of really good things in his campaign. I he's think Ramaswamy smart, smart and he speaks well. I think Ramaswamy has a lot of weird ideas. Um, personally, I don't agree with him all the way. Like I think a lot of his foreign policy ideas are kind of out of whack. But I do believe one thing about Ramaswamy is that Ramaswamy is the one guy that actually kind of could be in the hot seat for vice president. Because everybody says they don't want to be vice president. Kamala Harris didn't want to be Mike Pence's, or Joe Biden's vice president, sorry, back in the day. She was the one that was anti-Joe Biden for the longest time. And she ended up being his VP. I think the same kind of thing happens here, where I think Ramaswamy is different. He has ideas. He has opinions. He may have weird ideas, but he still has ideas. And in the end of the day, I think the fact that you, if you, when you have, um, you know, genuine, when you have originality, it gives you a boost in yourself. Like people look at you, they have something that you, that makes you different from other people. 
Like, in all honesty, I'm still trying to figure out what's the real difference between Mike uh, Mike Pence's and Ron DeSantis's political views. I don't really know. They're kind of the same thing. I think Nikki Haley has kind of got stuck where she's trying to seem as like the moderate, like regular person, but doesn't necessarily help you when you don't have anything that is really that different from everybody else. Like you're boring, you're basic. With Ramaswamy, he's anything but. And I think if Donald Trump is like, you know, it does show up to these debates, if he does, he's not going to attack Ramaswamy. And Ramaswamy's smart enough to not do anything against Donald Trump because he went from zero to 9% by literally being himself. Like with Ron DeSantis and all these people, now they're like, they had their base of like 20%. They have to try to do something because otherwise they're done for. With Ramaswamy, he's just getting started. He has nothing to lose. You didn't know Ramaswamy before this election happened. You knew about everybody else. And now you know who Ramaswamy is. So Ramaswamy just needs to end up with this election. As I said, we all know Donald Trump's the candidate, but he needs to end this election on a high note. And I think the only person out of these people that has realized that what you need to do to try to, you know, make yourself stand out is Ramaswamy. And I think when it deals with people like Mike Pence, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, they all need to figure out, even Chris Christie, that they all need to have like more original ideas. I think Ron DeSantis is more than the other three. And I think that's why he is number two. But I think with Ramaswamy, he's like been the dark horse of this election. And I don't think that it, he doesn't need to do anything that is that stupid. He just needs to continue doing what he's doing because what he's doing is why he's number three. And otherwise he would have been like somebody like Elder who nobody knows at 0%. Because nobody knows new Ramaswamy before this election. Same way, I still don't know who Elder is. I haven't even taken the time. Yeah, to I look think the up. thing about Ramaswamy is he's running as one of the few alternative candidates in the Republican field. And as far as you know, appetite for outsiders, it has grown and grown and grown over the last couple of decades. And since he's the only person who's running at the forefront of the outsider category, no matter what he does, he's. I think he's going to have a lot of people glom onto him because like Pratik was saying, Nikki Haley is more of this moderate candidate, but there are other people positioning themselves as moderate candidates. Like there are only so many people who are, you know, really gung ho about, oh yeah, we, we want someone chill and moderate. And that's just not how this election really is. And if it was, because that's how Joe Biden ended up winning, um, if there was, a lot of those other people would have to drop out pretty soon to start consolidating around a moderate candidate. Um, to have them boost up in the polls, because otherwise you're kind of eating at each other's voter base. That being said, though, like Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, these other candidates, maybe they have a standout performance and they just eat up all the other moderates anyway. Um, but at the same time, I think Vivek is in a really unique position where he's not DeSantis, he's not Trump, he's not one of the moderates, he, he's like his own fourth category. And as a result of that, I think he's going to really do well um, just staying in that lane. And you know, even though he has wacky ideas, and frankly, like, I would hate Vivek to be president. If anything, I think he's kind of an ass. Saying that about Taiwan, like, uh, imagine if you were, like, we have a bunch of Taiwanese Americans here. We have a bunch of Taiwanese students studying in the U.S. Imagine hearing that a presidential candidate only cares about your country just for the semiconductors and nothing else. Like, that's that's kind of brutal, right? And, you know, to be fair, it's like a very realist, cold-blooded way of looking at the world. (laughs) And maybe there's validity to what he's saying from a geopolitical standpoint. But at the same time, like, just human to human, like, it's not a good message to be throwing out. Like, yeah, the second we have our own semiconductor base, who cares about them? Whatever happens, happens. Like, that's not a good message that the American president should be putting out into the world. Even if behind closed doors, that's how they think, they, they shouldn't be advocating for that in public. So... 
I don't know. There's just certain things where I wouldn't be stoked to have him as president. But I think as far as a campaign, like, you know, like Trump and the border wall, like having these fringe ideas that no one's really talking about as much, you know, it propels you to number one potentially. And, you know, he's going to have to find a groove in his lane. And the way to do that is to lean into some of these more unique ideas. Yeah. And there but there is an appetite for that that isolationism oh sure i mean even with trump but even further with him so he's actually speaking to a voting base that does exist he's not coming out and saying this and hoping people believe it it's like no people actually believe that kind of point of Mm -hmm. view and he's the first person to come out and say that and i think there's going to be a lot of good reception to that but part of the issue and let's let's move the conversation here is like is him not being a christian how it's not will it have an impact it's how much of an impact will that have because look when we talk about the voting population a lot of the older people, out of the religious people in the country, they tend to be a little bit older. And those are the people that vote. So the fact that he's not a Christian is going to play a part. We have someone like Trump who says he's a Christian. He's a, he says he's a Christian or whatever. Maybe he doesn't practice, maybe he doesn't, you know, espouse all the ideals of being a Christian. But at the same time, he says he's Christian. And that, that means a lot to a lot of people in this country. So for someone like him, what do you what do you guys think people are going to feel about that? Because I I personally wouldn't change my vote because of that. But I know there are a lot of people that would. And we talk about the Pence. It's like those social conservatives might have a real issue with this. And those are an important voting block for the Republicans. Is Nikki Haley a Hindu, Pratik? Do you know? Sikh. Oh, she's a Sikh. Sikh. Okay. So kind of. It's like Sikhism and Hinduism are kind of like... So Sikhism is a religion that they have in Punjab area in India. But... Overall, I think what Tyler's saying has merit. Um, I've thought about this too. If I ever ran for politics, this is what was something that was going to pop up. But my issue is always that if this was an issue from the get-go, you would have already come out. And I think that when you move from being a nobody to being a 9%er, that means being at three, the number three in the Republican primary polling of 20 different candidates. I think that that point has already been thought processed, and that's why he's at number three. That's why he's not at number one or number two. I think with Donald Trump, obviously, he's going to be number one. But he would be, he would have a probably more higher percentage points, be closer to DeSantis if he did, if he was Christian. Who knows? But I also think that it also changes the narrative of the Republican Party. It's the same way Democrats change their narratives over time as well. Like, I mean, if you asked in the night in two thousand, would they ever have a gay candidate run for president? Democrats would be like, no way in hell. That's weird. Then, I mean, they had Pete Buttigieg run for president, change the whole complexion of the Democratic Party. I think the same way it's good. It's good for a country. We need to have more different ideas, different perspectives. Obviously, I'm Hindu, so I want more Hindus to run. But overall, like, I think it's good that we have like a different changing landscape. Maybe soon one day we'll have an atheist president for all we know. They're the, they're the, the least likely group, by the way. There have been polls probably. done and b- not believing in God is basically a nail on the, like, you're, you're done. You're never, you're not going to win. It's over 50% say they're they are less much less likely to vote for you so but i also think that the more and more of these kind of candidates you have the better it is for the country whether or not you like his ideas or policies like i mean in the end like it's not like he's gonna win but you say better not if you're a christian conservative evangelical you go this is the worst direction for our country the fact that uh, we're losing our christian roots the foundation of what we are well what i would tell you what i would tell you is that 
if Ramaswamy is capturing some of that socially conservative base, because apparently there is some polls saying that he is capturing that base. That means that he's managed to capture that base despite being Hindu. And I actually think that's a really, really good talent that Ramaswamy has. So I think, it, if anything, that's actually a benefit in himself. Like, if you're able to be like capture Christian people that would only vote Christian to support you over other people, that really means you're doing something right. Otherwise, why would they support you over other people if that's literally all they care about? And I think if that is a benefit of Ramaswamy, that's a benefit yeah. of Ramaswamy. Pratik, you know what's so Who funny knows? about him, though? It's it's so funny yeah. to have an Indian candidate come out and be like, I'm in favor of isolationism. No one else should be allowed. <laughs> like, I no, mean, no, I but that is actually funny. a lot of Indians believe right. that. No, I'm, sure, I'm sure. I'm sure. No. Dude, I've had debates with a bunch of older Indian people about isolationism because they're back in the times when Obama was president. You remember the Syrian genocides and all that stuff going on? Like there were people that would argue, like there were people that would argue that they're Indian. Like, you know, we shouldn't be involved in the Middle East at all. I don't we don't really know what these people are doing. Like Republicans do this stuff, too. But now it's like the Democrats are even doing it. So we shouldn't vote Democrat because they're trying to get involved in all the Middle Eastern affairs. And we don't need to be involved in other parts of the country when you have all these problems going on in America. You need to be involved in America and America should be your sole priority. People believe that. Like, if anything, that's actually a message. If there was an isolationist candidate that really stuck to being an isolationist, you would probably create a brand new party out of Republicans and Democrats if they were all they cared about was foreign policy. Yeah, Trump already kind of did that. This is actually a thing. <laughs> I feel like he already kind of tapped but, into that. But, that's fair. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next story. Um, the Elder Has Fallen. Nick, tell us about that one. All right. So, The Elder Has Fallen. 90-year-old California Senator Dianne Feinstein was briefly hospitalized following a minor fall at home. This comes after ongoing health worries for the Senate's eldest member, who was recently diagnosed with Ramsey-Hunt disease, or syndrome, and has been absent from the Senate for many key votes, including judicial nominations. Her health troubles over the past year have raised concerns about her work capacity, and many House Dems have called for her resignation. With no clear majority in the Senate, 58 Dems, 49 Republicans, and 3 Independents, her frequent absences have had an overwhelming impact on Senate decisions. Deacon Tyler, the elder has fallen. How are we going to get back up as a country? We won't. It's all downhill <laughs> from here. She was the peak of our empire. No, but what do you think of this? Like, you know, we have an old senator. Clear, Like, we talk about health concerns all the time in these candidates, and clearly there is something here for her. You know, at the same time, Chuck Grassley, Republican, he's like 89, but you know, Chuck is, Chuck is still moving. He's still planting corn. He's still doing things, you know, but for Feinstein, it's, it's sort of like she's on her way out and she just needs to leave, basically. <laughs> like, that, that's yeah, just but how I see it. We, we have a plenty of corpses in office, but what is the solution? What kind of fitness? So we talked about mental tests. There should be some sort of fitness test to be in office. I, I think there should be a requirement. I, I, I'm sure these guys are, are checked out for their health, but at the same time, what metric can we use to measure their capacity to actually participate and do their job? Well, I think you measure it by measuring whether or not they showed up and voted. Like, for example, Tammy Duckworth, who was in the military, I think she was a helicopter pilot. She's an amputee. She doesn't have legs, I don't think. And so she's showing up to vote. She's fine. I don't think it's so much the physical constraints and the intellectual constraints. I think a big thing is, like, can you do your job and vote? And I think if you're not voting then what are you in office for? We have a representative democracy. You are the representative for your district. Ultimately, 
what would happen is that you would get kicked out during the next election cycle if you're not doing anything. But like we like you were saying, like the the conversation is, what do we do in this weird period where like you, it's not really like. Could you imagine if everyone else just decided to boot her out of office? Like, what would that look like? That would that would be pretty brutal. Like, you're friends with people yeah. for years. They're like, all right, Diane, your time is up. Off to the farm. So we think if you don't show up for, what, half the votes you're supposed to show up for, you shouldn't be in office? I would be like, fine maybe with that. With, yeah. with some exceptions. So, with like some exceptions, yeah. Like, well, because you could be sick sure. uh, temporarily, for instance. You could be imprisoned like, how, overseas. But, that's, but then how do we... But then you, you can't discriminate against people for being old. So how would you... Like there's such a fine line we would have to play to yeah, actually. I think part of it is like of don't in. elect these people, you know. It's yeah, not but, like but this then all we talk started. about it. You know, I know Pratik likes it's the incumbents, baby. Incumbents win. They if win, you're yeah. there for 40 years, you're probably gonna be there a few more years. Yeah, almost true. certainly you'll be there unless you drop. And it. if you're in a majority one-party district, not, it's not like anyone's running an ad campaign against you to be like, oh man, we got to kick this person out of office. They're too old. The Republicans yeah. would run something like that. Or on the other side, the Democrats would something like that to run a younger candidate. But like, if you're voting for someone like 70% Republican or 70% Democrat, like, is that going to happen? No, no one's going to care. So yeah, I, I also feel like people want to have a, a national recognizable name um, kind of representing them. Yeah. And it's hard, hard to let that go because you kind of have to start from square one when you elect someone new. So, so I think old is gold, baby. We need to have all these old people there <laughs> until they die. But oh I think, um, one joke, jokes aside, I really think the, the wheels fall this, off, baby. The, the solution to this one is big nursing home. Congress. It's not like most of the, if you look at the demographics, there's like 48 Democrats, 49 Republicans, three independents that are currently in the Senate. With California, it's not like they're going to become Republican all of a sudden if, like, you know, they had term limits for against Dianne Feinstein. They're still going to be Democrat. They'll just find another Democrat to replace Dianne Feinstein. Democrats are supposed to be Democrats and Republicans are supposed to be Republicans in the end of the day. Sure, I would say, like, 90% of what they vote for, they're pretty online with everything else their party does. I know I have my rubber stamp theory, you know, like, you're supposed to be a peg on the board whenever you're in politics. For the other 10%, that's fair. You can have that. The 10% of margin of error. But I think that when it deals with um, people like Feinstein, I just think in the end, it, you are actually making it worse for your party if you don't show up whenever there's no clear majority in the Senate. And, you know, you have three independents. Independents are kind of like going to go either way where you have people like Bernie Sanders. They're always going to vote Democrat. They just don't have the balls to say that they're Democrat. And then you have people like, um, you know, you have people like Kristen Cinema that are there that are potentially going to swing vote. They're going to be on one side sometimes. They're going to be on the other side sometimes. Same with Lisa Murkowski. I think with those people, I think because those people exist you need to make sure the democrats need to make sure and the republicans that whenever they have candidates like this that are really old we were like you know even when we think of somebody like mitch mcconnell and you know when we think of candidate you know people that are senators like that um the Ch or chuck grassley the issue is is that when you have people that are really old if they don't show up to their voting it really messes up the whole political stratosphere that you know the party has to care about so I think the party really needs to analyze this stuff and they really do need to institute something like term limits because in the end of the day, like if you're in the Senate, you're going to be there for six years. So even if you have a term limit of three terms, you're still going to end up being there for 18 years. It's like you've been there for a long time. Like they should institute something like that just because if their concern is, is that once you're there, like, you know, you might not be able to accomplish all the stuff that you want to. If you're there for 18 years, that's a really long time. So you have 18 years to figure out what you want to do. 
I think that's the solution. And I just personally think that Democrats and Republicans really need to think hard about this whenever they put out their candidates. If they have candidates that are really old that are currently incumbents, they just really need to just tell them to step down. Because in the end, most of these states, especially unless you're in a swing state like West Virginia, like unless you're in one of those states where it's like, oh, man, we got Joe Manchin somehow and we're the Democratic Party. Unless they're in that situation, if you're in California, they're always going to have Democrats. They just need to make kick these people out of there because there's no benefit of them still being in there. If anything, it makes it worse for the DNC and the RNC to operate because they need numbers. And in order to have numbers, they need to make sure that everybody shows up. Yeah, but the so, argument against it is self-interest. And so many of these people in office are older where you were expecting them to put forth legislation to limit their own power. That's not something they're willing to do. But you have someone like yeah. Vivek comes out. He hasn't been banging his chest about it, but he does believe in eight-year term limits um, for all bu- government bureaucrats. And I'm like, that that is something that hopefully when the debates happen, he really tries to hammer home because I feel like there is a big appetite for that. But no one believes really any of these politicians that aren't outsiders would even seriously consider that because even someone like Nikki Haley, it's like you are a career politician at the end of the day. How can I trust you would want to impose uh, term limits when you're part of that system? But if you have an outsider coming in, there is a greater chance of that. And I think the way you do that, though, is like the party itself just needs to have more control over their people that they have. Because the RNC and the DNC, for all it's worth, have a lot of Well, power. the DNC didn't and want her to run, by the way. They endorsed someone else, and then she ran anyway yeah. and won. So it's like the people it's wanted her. It's not like they have control. So, yeah. yeah. And That's the incumbents fair. win. If like, it's a recognizable yeah, exactly. name, it doesn't matter how like, old you once are. Once you've like, won, the party can only do so much to stop you from running again. Even if the Republicans didn't like Trump at a certain point, even if the RNC was like, screw this guy, he's been pissing us off in all these ways, they have no power at that point. It's either Trump or they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to get beaten by Trump. So, yeah. Yeah. This is the problem with the law. It's like the police. You can't expect the police to police the police very well. Can you expect the legislators to legislate the legislators very well? I don't think you can. And that's something that I think most Americans would, would agree. But that's a, a, a failure of our political system a little bit. But, hey, guys, let's move on. We got our final story of the day here. It's not the same as it was. Pratik. Yeah, based on that song. So July's record-breaking heat can raise climate concerns, confirmed by NASA and NOAA. Devastating Maui wildfires drew criticism for President Biden's delayed response, where Biden briefly spoke on Thursday to the public, then spent a weekend at his Delaware beach home, staying in touch with FEMA and Hawaii's governor. On Sunday, as he returned from the beach in Delaware and was about to enter his vehicle, a reporter came and asked him if he would comment on the death toll in Maui. With a smile, he replies, no, no comment. After silence, he briefly addressed the issue during an unrelated speech and communicated with FEMA and Hawaii's governor. So the problem here is that, you know, there was a major um, situation that happened with these Maui wildfires and Biden just didn't want to talk about it. He just didn't want to say anything, and that was one of the bigger criticisms that he received. And Ed Biden just came out and addressed it from the get-go, saying that, you know, there's these big wildfires. We're going to we're gonna do everything that we can to, you know, help mitigate all the people that have been impacted by, you know, the wildfires that took place. Well, Biden would have came out on top with the story. But because Biden had his own personal agenda, it impacted what, you know, how people perceived him with this story storyline. 
than what took place. This is similar to what happened whenever Trump would go on the golf courses that he owned and, you know, things would be going on and Democrats would criticize him about like, you know, why is he not there? Why is he always at his own golf course? Same scenario kind of plays out here. So Nick and Tyler, what's your thoughts on Biden going to his Delaware beach home instead of trying to fight Maui wildfires? If you accept the presidency, you are on the clock 24-7 for, for, for your entire term. So when something comes up like this and for several days you don't say anything, there have been over 100 deaths at this point. This is a major event. We've all, of course, probably heard about it at this point. It is, it is such a blunder, and it's so easy. It was so easy, like Pratikyu had said, for him to just come out and say, this happened, we'll provide support. Why is that so difficult? But he was on vacation in Delaware. This is why having an 80-plus-year-old president is no good. I'm, I'm sure he needs the time off. But that means you're not fit for the position, in a way. You're not, you're, you need to be there when, when duty calls. And something like this, I don't know how significantly it's going to impact the election or whatever, but just for, for me at least, it's just such a bad look. It's like, do your job. You signed up for it. Do your goddamn job. Yeah, I think the no comment thing is weird, especially because, you know, every time something like this happens, staff will always put out a release saying this is terrible and all the reasons why this is bad and that we should be doing everything to support these people who are in need. Right. That's what always happens. So the Biden White House put out a statement like six days ago or seven days ago or whenever this happened. Right. Like immediately they put out a statement. Um, And so it's weird for him to not have a comment to reporter. And look, I don't know the personal background of the reporter. I don't know if, you know, this is just always how it goes, because he he tends to say no comment a lot on a lot of things when reporters are like, Biden, what's your thoughts on this? They're like getting him right before he's going somewhere. And he's usually like, no like, comment. But the thing is, like, a this is a different no this comment. is a different type of topic. Right. This is a topic where. I would almost granted it's not the same scale as Hurricane Katrina, but it's one of those things where, you know, it's it's something, you know, force of nature comes through, wrecks people's lives, kills people. And you have to say, like, wow, this is a terrible tragedy. I will do everything I can to support the people of Hawaii in rebuilding their homes and, you know, what what have you. Right. And then you, of course, mourn the loss of the dead. And like Tyler was saying, it's this is this is like a political layup. Like you should be doing this every time a reporter asks you about it. Because, like, how could you ever say something wrong? The only thing wrong to say is to ignore it. Um, so, again, very strange. And, yeah, not a good look. And the fact that he's going there now, I guess that's fine. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's strange to, again, it's like Trump with golfing, where Trump golfed all the time. Like, for even though Trump was like, people are never at work. I'm going to work harder than anyone ever did. And then Trump, like, golfed more than anyone ever did. So mm-hmm. Biden needs to not go to Delaware all the time. I'm sure he needs it because of his age to, like, recharge or whatever. I'm sure I'm sure they're like, all right, all right, Mr. President, we can have you on a flight to Hawaii right now. And he's like, I'm tired. Give me some ice cream. Take me to the beach. I want to relax. Maybe that was it. but And look, it, it, it's it, in any political win he could have gotten. For, let's say over the next few days he's there, he's taking photos. People are like, oh, thank God Biden's here. Thank you for your support. That's all, you know, it, you, don't, you don't get the credit you, you would have gotten had you just come out initially and said we would support you. Because this is something like Sandy Hook, for instance. Obama got such leverage by one of these catastrophic events politically. And I'm not saying you should do it for politics. But you could have gotten a win here, and you fumbled the bag. So it's like, what are you doing, old man? 
tactic. Yeah, I think that's it. Like, I just think that, you know, when, you, when you're in politics, you just have to plan all these things out. We talked about this. This is like a, you know, great one, you know, like 180 in this whole show. But like I talked about in the past, but I was talking about Mike Pence, what he needed to do when he talked about January 6th. Like he could have just done the same stuff that he did. But it was just the way you talk about it. It's like the way you engage in the public, the way you, you know, discuss certain things, that's going to be like a thing that's going to benefit you in the long run and it's going to hurt you in the long run. Any decisions that you make in life doesn't even, doesn't even mean with politics. How you say something and how you talk about something matters so much more than your actual delivery of what you say. Like it's about like you have to think about all these different things. And whenever you're in that high level of power, it's about it's about the delivery. It's about how you message how your message comes across. And with this, it comes across as that, you know, Biden cares more about him relaxing than he does about the people of Maui. And that's not a good message, especially whenever like the challenges that you're facing as a president is that you're really old. The reason why Democrats are more likely to not support you is because you're really old. Like that's your challenge. And that's a challenge that like you have to try to, you know, work past. If somebody is a very boring dude, they have to sound more exciting to make sure that the people that are there are energized by what you're saying. I think with Biden, he needs to make sure that his age doesn't become an impediment because his age is the reason why he's like the only president in the history of the country to have a bit have a lot of primary rivals and people and the majority of the people in his voter base don't want to make sure that he doesn't become president. Like that's sad. Like even if you are the you are the you know presumptive nominee as an incumbent because you're gonna win anyway, like that shouldn't be the case. And I think these kind of things is the reason why Biden is where he is. The reason why a conspiracy theorist like RFK is like even has twenty five to thirty percent on Biden. It has nothing to do with Biden. Is because of this kind of stuff. He just needs to figure out how he addresses topics and how he handles these situations. And if he handles these situations better. Then, you know, Mike, then not Mike Pence, sorry, then Joe <laughs> Biden can potentially become president again. But these are the reasons why Joe Biden is going downhill and why Trump is going uphill in the general polling. Because he, Donald Trump is not in office right now. So any news coverage is good news coverage, even if he gets indicted, even if he maybe goes to jail, I don't know. But with, my, with Joe Biden, his challenge is that anything that happens, it's on him. Good things, it's on him. Bad things, it's on him. So like, he has to figure out how he handles these pressures because if he handles these things properly, then you know maybe he does become president again, and then we're worried about how he's gonna exist for four years. But he has to, you know, figure that stuff out whenever you know he's handling these situations. And RFK sounds like he's a hundred, still going up in the yeah, polls. Yeah, he sounds so much older than. Sounds Mike like Pence. he's been Joe smoking Biden for a hundred years. <laughs> but yeah, very sad stuff happening in Maui um hopefully if we have any listeners in hawaii i don't know i haven't looked at the analytics but you know hope you're safe and and that things are well yes um we feel for you guys um but with that that is the end of our show as pratik said words matter that's why politicana matters please follow please share we appreciate you all we'll catch you next week later